Thanks for tuning into the latest episode of the Song Lines and Tan Lines podcast, a place to take a momentary break from your day-to-day routine. Those returning, thank you. The support is appreciated. Those new to this podcast, welcome. And if you like what you hear and are not a subscriber, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's pull up the anchor on this cold gray day as snow approaches and set sail. I've got an idea in my head and I thought I would take that idea and implement it into this podcast. What's the idea? It's nothing grand or life-altering or so spectacular it will stop you in your tracks. It's nothing like that. Trust me. What I'm thinking about doing is to start from the very first Buffett album and work my way forward until I reach the end of his catalog. I will pull two songs from each album as I go through his discography. That way, I can make sure I have covered every single album on this podcast. And also, it will give this podcast some structure. Of course, I have made it over 100 episodes without a firm structure. But as I get further and further into this podcast, further and further beyond 100 I feel like structure is going to be more important the deeper and longer I go. And I don't know how long I will go. I had set 100 episodes as my limit, and I figured by then I would have exhausted my subject matter on this podcast, or at least everything I would want to talk about on this podcast. But subject matter isn't an issue. I could run this podcast for as long as I want to and never run out of subject matter or ideas. In fact, I have plans already up to episode 114. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Enough of that. Let me start off this new way of doing things, this new structure, by diving into Jimmy's album, Buried Treasure. And I decided to make this album my first deep dive because technically, these songs came before Down to Earth and High Cumberland Jubilee. And if you don't know those albums, those are Jimmy's first two Lost albums. Albums that should get a lot more love in the Buffett community. I've always enjoyed them and featured a few songs from them already on this podcast. Anyway, the first song I want to feature on this episode is called California Dreamin'. Yes, it is the song we all know and have heard throughout the years by many different artists. And, once again, Jimmy does a great job with this cover And, since Buried Treasure has Jimmy doing commentary on each song, I thought I would start each song with that commentary. Let's now go ahead and dive into the song, California Dreamin'. But there actually were two big events on a national scale besides Mardi Gras, the Senior Bowl game and the America's Junior Miss Pageant. Southerners love beauty pageants, and since Atlantic City claimed the Miss America pageant, Little Old Mobile somehow attracted the America's Junior Miss event to town. Milton was also very active in civic functions and tried to use its influence to get a hometown talent on the Junior Miss pageant and national television. He pitched the idea to the people who ran the pageant that it would be great to feature a local boy, me, on the show. Well, they were not seeing it his way. This was a big deal to showcase Mobile and they wanted stars and I was just a bar singer. Milton did, however, get me a gig. 
He explained to me that I wasn't going to make my national TV debut as part of the pageant, but he did get me a job playing to the contestants at breakfast the morning of the final day of the pageant. Let's just say that back in those days, I did not do a lot of breakfast shows. So when Milton revealed to me that I would have to be performing at 7 a.m., I kind of flinched for a moment, but only a moment, because when you're down at the bottom of the success ladder, you better do anything you can to get yourself a few rungs up that ladder and separate from the pack. So I got up at 6 a.m., tuned my 12-string, drank a cafe au lait, ate a few beignets, and played breakfast for the Junior Miss contestants. They seemed to like it. So here is a live version of that infamous breakfast buffet in Mobile with yours truly and the Junior Miss contestants singing along to California Dreamland. And by the way, I don't think I've ever done another breakfast gig other than maybe the Today Show since then. This is California Dreamland. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me get started here. <laughs> We on? Yeah. Don't bring me candy. Let's do one. Out there, we'll do one. You don't need, this one doesn't need any introduction. You know what to do on this one. All the leaves are brown. And the sky is gray. That's right. Yeah, I've been for a walk. On a winter day. be safe and warm if I was in L.A. California dreaming on such a winter's day. Stopped into a church. I passed along the way. Great cover, right? Jimmy sounds like he's having fun and right from the start of his career he is nailing those cover songs perfectly. Both of the songs I'm featuring on this episode can be found on the album Buried Treasure. And here's a blurb, we all love our blurbs, don't we? About that album from MelboatRecords.com. When legendary Nashville producer Buzz Kaysen sold his recording studio to John and Martina McBride, there was some cleaning up to do. That is when Jimmy learned they had found a sizable collection of one-fourth inch tapes that were demos of songs Jimmy had written and recorded for Buzz when he was writing for his publishing company. It turned out that there were over 125 songs in that pile of tape boxes. Hopefully a buried treasure 2 and 3 and maybe 4 will come along at some point in time. And the blurb goes on to say, Also discovered were the original first recordings that Travis Turk had engineered in Mobile, which is where the whole story of Buried Treasure starts. Now you understand why I chose this album as my first album to dive into. Let me take a talking pause and play a bit of the second and last song I want to feature, Close the World at Five. Let's just say that Five o'clock seems to be a very popular time of day in my world. There's not a show that goes by when we're on the road that we are not having a time check. 
Not a sound check, a time check. For five o'clock was on my mind years before Alan Jackson called me in 2003 with the idea of an anthem dedicated to quitting time around the world. Now, Close the World at Five was written in 1969, and I think it had something to do with the fact that in those days, I was actually working a nine-to-five job before I went to my night gig at the Admiral's Corner. When you keep hours like that, as Willie Nelson says in his song, time will slip away. Time has never really been figured out, although Einstein came close, but it certainly has been a great source of inspiration to writers since the beginning of time. Whether you write lines about losing it, stopping it, traveling forward or backward in it, or just wanting a cocktail at quitting time, time does not stop. We can't ever really close the world at five, but I think it helps to be able to think that you can. So let's think about it. Here's the last song on the Mobile section of Buried Treasure, and a fitting song to end it, Close the World at Five. After all the time we've shared together After all the cotton candy fun is gone I'd like to go back to being my own person So I'll close the world at five and then go home Watch the maze of people walking proudly The parade is every day for no one's eyes It's just a game with sides not even chosen So we'll close the world at five and say goodbye like that one a lot. And of all the songs on Buried Treasure, I could easily see Jimmy bringing this one out of the dust and putting it on an album or playing it a bit in concert. Imagine Jimmy doing this song acoustically during a live show. Maybe midway, maybe at the end, just him all by himself on the stage, standing in the spotlight. I bet it would sound great like that. Or maybe he could do this song on another Songs You Don't Know By Heart album or episode. And I think on the next album, hopefully we'll get another one. Maybe Jimmy should mine some of his older work and see if any of those songs could turn into something special. Who knows? He might just land on another concert favorite. Let me drop anchor here and close out the episode. You can hear my voice talking about music on the Audible Ecstasy podcast and talking about horror on the Nightlight Tales podcast. And stay tuned after the ukulele plays. I will be reading the next part of the book, The Tale of the Golden Pirate, a book you can find on Amazon in ebook or paperback. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers and aloha.
All right, let's get back into it. And I'm jumping right into the story. And remember, if you are a bit lost, you can pick it up on Amazon. So let's go. If I don't go today, then that will be three days in a row that I haven't run. Do you understand that? I have to go today. Parsons said this to the wind as it answered a howling response. Since he became a runner about a year or so ago, he found he had been doing a lot of crazy things for his running career. One of them was trying to talk to the wind or weather so he could squeeze out just a small window for a run. When he was through with stretching, he hit the stop button on the CD player, he flipped on the TV, and looked for the weather report as he let his new GPS watch find a signal. Temperature is about 31 degrees with the windshield pushing it all the way down to 20. If you got to be out in it, then you better bundle up. The weather girl with her perky smile said this as she hugged herself to show how cold it was. Cute, Parson mockingly thought. He wasn't a violent man, especially towards women, but he wanted to smack her for that. Parson turned off the TV and suited up. When he was finished getting ready, he had on two shirts, one thin short sleeve wickaway shirt that touched his body and a thick long sleeve shirt over it, a vest that could be seen in the nighttime, compression sleeves for the shins, running pants. He hated wearing them, but shorts wouldn't cut it tonight and thick socks for his feet. He slid on a runner's cap to keep his head and ears warm and applied protective gel to his lips so they wouldn't get chapped in the wind. He checked himself in the mirror and smiled. All this for a run. Man, you must love doing this. He then put on his two pairs of gloves. One pair was kind of thin and black that fit easily over your hand or hands, while the other pair was much thicker. This outer layer didn't wick away the sweat like the inner one, but Parson found his hands stayed warm and dry, even with the outer layer not being true running attire. He reached for his keys and ID and tucked them away. He turned off the TV and then opened the door on a cold, gray night. Snow had started to fall. He closed the door and stepped outside. He breathed in the cold air and looked up at the flakes of snow. The ground already had a small white covering. Parson looked down at his shoes. I hope I don't bust my ass. He gave himself a 10-minute warm-up walk and then started running. It was brutal. I mean, brutal. The shins were the first thing to start responding to the cold. They screamed at him as if they were creatures, shin creatures, trying to crawl out of their dormancy from some deep cave. The compression sleeves pushed those shin creatures back into their cave each and every time. But man, they were angry. And their anger showed itself in pain. 